welcome to the Vitrous Podcast, where we help women and families achieve their best health, body, and soul. Here are your hosts, Lisa Marino and Aaron Hazelbaker. Hello and welcome to the Victor's Podcast. Aaron and I are excited to have Dr. Kathleen Birchelman from My Catholic Doctor with us today as we discuss the fears surrounding pregnancy, labor, delivery, and postpartum care in the midst of this coronavirus epidemic. We're going to cover the current guidelines for separation after birth. Should I consider a home birth? How safe is it to be in the hospital? Will my support person be taken away from me? How long can I expect these regulations to be in place if I'm in early pregnancy? And how to make the best decisions for my baby and family at this time? If you have any additional questions to the ones we covered, please contact us directly at childbirth at victorushealth.com. Also in this episode, Erin, our childbirth educator and certified doula, will briefly share how beautifully one mama's labor and delivery went just last week via her virtual doula care. As we go through this episode, prayerfully consider if having the guidance of a doula through all the decision-making and especially labor, delivery, and postpartum care is advantageous for your family to ease your fears and improve your birth experience and outcomes, especially at this time. You can learn more about doula support at victorushealth.com forward slash childbirth. Now, before I introduce Dr. Kathleen, let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We lift up all of our expectant mothers and their children. We ask that you calm their fears. You tell us more than anything in the Bible to be not afraid. Grant them peace, wisdom, and trust in your greater plan. Please bless all of our nurses, doulas, providers, and families with courage and protection from harm. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary, help of Christians, pray for us. Mother Thrice Admirable Queen Invictus of Schoenstatt, pray for us. St. Gianna Mola, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So Dr. Kathleen Birchelman is our guest today to provide some much-needed guidance on navigating hospital care amidst the coronavirus. She is a pediatric hospitalist in Connecticut, just an hour outside of New York City, where the coronavirus has hit the worst. Clearly a pioneer ahead of our times, Dr. Kathleen is the founder of My Catholic Doctor, an online network of Catholic telehealth providers for the full spectrum of family needs from conception to natural death, including women's health, nutrition, urgent care, end-of-life care, and pediatrics. You can learn more about My Catholic Doctor at mycatholicdoctor.com. A mom of seven, Dr. Kathleen has completed a fellowship in medical ethics from the Weston Jesuit School of Theology. Her work has been featured in Time Magazine, NPR, Fox News, Parents Magazines, and the Sunrise Morning Show. Hello and welcome back to the Victress podcast. We are blessed to have Dr. Kathleen Bertelman with us today as we go over the fears that moms and families have revolving pregnancy, labor, delivery, um, and postpartum uh, as we go through the coronavirus. Uh, you know, I just speak to this personally, just seeing a lot of friends and family that are going through this right now, a lot of fears. Um, there's certainly a lot of unknowns, and uh, we just really want to be here to um, dispel those fears, answer your questions, give you hope, um, and and let you know what is what are the guiding principles right now. So. Um, 
Dr. Kathleen, thanks so, so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Dr. Kathleen is a uh, pediatrician. So she's seeing things um, after labor and delivery, right? So picking up care, um, but certainly a lot of the fears that um, we're getting right now are, is my baby going to be separated from me? You know, what does that situation or that scenario look like right now with testing uh, being symptomatic versus asymptomatic? So I'm just going to let Kath Dr. Kathleen, you just speak to that um, right now, what you're seeing um, about those fears revolving uh, labor and delivery. You know, I think a lot of moms worry. Uh, they're, they're they're very very nervous, and and birth in, in general is uh, can can be a very anxious time. And let's be honest, there's major hormonal fluxes during the uh, labor and delivery and postpartum period that make any woman, no matter how healthy, emotional, right? And that's this part of the normal process is 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 hormonal fluctuation and um, a certain amount of emotional nature to labor delivery and postpartum and then you add to that um just the underlying um sort of sense of being unsettled from this pandemic and it can 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 really promote anxiety which isn't good for moms or dads or families and i would add that anxiety is a potent inhibitor of breast milk production yeah thanks for giving that a lot of validity for all of us that have been there <laughs> as you know aaron is a mom of four and Dr. Kathleen is a mama seven, so she speaks with plenty of experience. <laughs> and what else are you seeing with your um, clients right now as well? Uh, I think, so, uh, go, go ahead, ahead Kathleen. I think mom, moms and dads are really nervous that their baby is going to contract COVID if they deliver in a hospital. And a lot of people are considering home birth uh, and other options. I, I you know, I, the whole topic of home birth could be a whole other podcast. And I will add that I'm a pediatrician, not an OB-GYN and not truly qualified to comment on it. But I know people are really sincerely considering those options that otherwise wouldn't be. And I can talk a little bit about the safety of hospitals in general. I think that labor and delivery units are well separated from the intensive care units and in general inpatient units where COVID patients are being cared for. And that hospitals do take extreme measures to separate staff and um, separate and and not, um, you know, contaminate contaminate what are considered, you know, cleaner units like uh, like labor and delivery. That said, um, we do have um, COVID positive mothers delivering on labor and delivery, and known positive moms, and uh, we take appropriate precautions um, to care for them and their babies. So I think that actually brings up a great point. Um, what we have the privilege of having um, Dr. Bertelman here with us um, to answer some questions. She actually is in um, an area that is um, pretty hard hit. Um, so I think just having your perspective is gonna be great for us. Um, we, they think are a couple weeks behind um, where, where you are right now. And so some of our moms, some of the things that we're hearing um, are just that uh, they're very concerned that they may potentially be separated from their baby if they present with a fever or um, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about what actually do we know about if mom has COVID or is suspected for COVID? You know, what does that look like for that mom then? If you're concerned that you may have COVID and you're expecting you're pregnant, I do very strongly recommend early 
a, a, a early diagnosis and testing. And uh, there, you know, there is, you know, many options for treatment. Um, and uh, you need to know if you're COVID positive. Now, um, we are following recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics that um, do recommend separating a mom from a baby at birth if the mom is known positive for COVID. Now, um, I would add that this is actually not very different from the current recommendations for influenza. If a mom is influenza positive at delivery, um, we, there is also this very sad but true recommendation that you separate the baby from the mom. Um, fortunately, that's not often happening. We, um, um, the majority of, uh, of patients that are concerned that they have COVID don't. I mean, if you, just because you have a runny nose doesn't mean that you have COVID. Absolutely. Right. So what does that look like then? You know, what's the duration of that separation? And how does that, you know, go about as far as even, you know, nursing, breastfeeding, all of that? Yeah. So, um, so the, the duration of separation depends on the um, time of diagnosis and the duration of the mom's symptoms. And, is, um, and in general, they're saying 14 days, but I think you know, every case is unique depending on when the mom's symptoms started and when they ended. Um, and um, uh, as for breastfeeding, um, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think I should. Um, thank God I have not cared for a COVID positive newborn yet, although I'm concerned that's coming soon. Well, so, oh, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I think the concern that I would have to just in, you know, talking about all of this too, and my patients are asking me, my clients, um, they're asking, okay, so if I'm COVID positive, how am I passing that on to my newborn? Um, is that being passed, you know, any other way other than through respiratory? Do we know the answer to that entirely yet? Or are we still just kind of assuming that it's droplet precaution? So what that would mean um, is that I cough on my, my baby and then my baby would have it, or I sneeze on my baby or breathe on them. Yeah, my understanding of it is, is that it's really respiratory transmission. Okay. So we've gone over, you know, the fears and concerns, you know, related to, to labor and delivery. Um, you know, let's just speak, you know, a minute you brought up home birth, because I think that is, um, especially in the area that, that we're at, um, number, it, it can be a valid option depending on where you're at, you know, in, in your pregnancy. But, um, you know, at what point, you know, should we be counseling, you know, um, pregnant mothers and women? And really, I guess the question becomes, you know, do we know how long this is going to last? And again, obviously it keeps getting longer and longer. So what, you know, what point do you make that consideration um, to consider maybe a home birth or to, to try to find a midwife in the area or um, maybe a certain, certainly a different facility um, as well? No, I think that you're, you're, um, whether you or not you uh, deliver at home probably shouldn't be very different than whether or not you were, the criteria to deliver at home haven't changed, right? So if you're uh, uh, not a candidate for home delivery because you're a high risk mom, you're still not a candidate for home delivery. And um, I, I think, uh, unfortunately, what I, what I have seen now is 
especially in general pediatrics, is people very hesitant to seek emergency medical services when they need them because they don't want to go into an emergency room that is also treating patients with coronavirus. And um, the end result is people waiting too long, and that can be disastrous. So if you feel you have emergency condition, if it's something you would have uh, called 911 about before coronavirus, you still need to call 911. And the same thing, if you're not, if you're, you know, not a candidate for home birth because you're a high risk, you're still not a candidate for home birth. Now, you know, if you are a candidate for home birth, um, then you know that's that's uh, you know probably that that's a valid option for you. Absolutely, Erin. At what point would you, you know, do you, would you counsel, you know, on on the doula side of things to be like, well, let's, you know, consider this if maybe they've been on the fence, you know, I'm thinking early on in pregnancy. At what point, you know, if you're thinking ahead, well, I'm due in maybe August or July, you know, well, what's kind of a cutoff there? Or, you know, how would you suggest counseling? So I always am very hesitant to uh, recommend somebody to either a home birth or a hospital birth. I am continuously recommending the research. So Lisa and I talk about this over and over and over again. When we start talking with our clients about um, their birth situation. Um, we're looking at the evidence as well on their past medical history. Um, we're also looking and I'm always recommending that they have somebody who would be requesting backup care. So if you're looking at having a home birth, it is very important that you have a midwife who is recommending that you have backup care as well. And what backup care means is that you have a, a a physician that is willing to um, see you at the hospital should you need care at a hospital. Um, so I really appreciate what um, Dr. Kathleen has said um, because she's exactly right. There is, just because we have this pandemic going on does not mean that we lower our criteria for those that we would recommend to have a home birth in any way, shape, or form. If you were not recommended to have a home birth prior to, then you're not recommended to have a home birth now. Um, and so I don't want the fears that we would have to sway someone that way. Now, is home birth sometimes a, a good option? Certainly. Um, I did have home birth myself. Um, and, you know, we, we know that we've talked about that in the past. So Again, I caution, just like Dr. Kathleen is saying, that just because we have a pandemic going on, that it doesn't, you don't make a decision then based out of fear. Um, the other thing that I'm always, always talking with my clients about is I want you to make sure that your midwife is absolutely founded and based in research. Um, we have many, many wonderful midwives out there. Um, who are just up on the latest research, up on the latest information. And I, I strongly recommend that if you are seeking out um, either a home birth or a hospital midwife group, um, that, that that is something that you're taking as top priority as well. Yeah, and I concur. Evidence-based medicine is where we are. Right, right. And I would add that the Catholic Church has for 
um, 2000 years supported the scientific method, right? Or since the inception of the scientific method has really supported it and supported the sciences. And, uh, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola says that we have to use the, the intellectual gifts with which God has bestowed us, right? In other words, we're supposed to use um, our sciences and our minds and our brains to make very good rational decisions. And I think all too often our emotions uh, motivate decision-making more than our intellect and and it can it's an act of self-control and prudence um, really takes the virtue of prudence to focus on um on making a, a logical rational decision rather than an emotionally um, motivated decision Absolutely. right i love this because this is something that i'm talking with my clients about continuously and also in um, my childbirth education courses um the the idea that um we control what we can, number one. Number two, we use the knowledge, the information, the education that we have available to us at this time to make the best decision possible. And then really at that point, we're so blessed that we have our faith to rely on as well. And we say, okay, God, this is what we know. This is the decision that we've made. And then we need to hand it over to you. And if that means we need to relook at decisions in the future, then we may need to. But um, I, I am constantly reminding moms of that. Control what we can. We make the best decision that we can at the time. And and then we have to move on. Um, and I think- We surrender, right? We surrender concept. our will, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think as Saint, um, well, you went through, you know, um, Saint Ignatius, it's his like, I think it's, what is it, like a, a six step, you know, for decision making. And it's exactly about that, removing the emotions, you know, exactly. to look at this objectively. And that's where I'm going to bring in the support person because for women, we, we most often need that support person, um, usually a husband um, or a spouse. And, um, and looking at that objectively to be like, okay, this is the situation. We need to step back and look at this, you know, um, you know, all things considered and to say, what is God, you know, asking us to do in this scenario? That being said, I know um, some, some information has come out recently about um, having a support person available with you through labor and delivery. Dr. Kathleen, do you want to speak to that? Right. So I think it's another one of these fears that um, pregnant moms are, 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 are having to face is that they will be without their husband or support person while in labor or while delivering. And there was uh, one major institution in particular in New York City that did say that um, there were no support people allowed. Uh, that has been changed. That institution is now allowing um, dads and, and one support person per delivering mom in the hospital. And my institution is the same way. We do allow one support person to be present throughout the duration of pregnant of the um, of the admission. So whether it's labor delivery in the entire postpartum period, that support person can be present. There is a rule though that the support person usually the dad if they choose to leave they can't come back so that means if you have a cesarean and you're in the hospital for four days and maybe you tried to maybe you spent 24 hours in labor before you unfortunately ended up with a cesarean and you're really in the hospital five plus days that means dad's with you for five plus days right and i think this is another important point for um our clients to understand as well too is that um as a doula, 
um, what I am doing with my clients, I mean, these are just changing times. So we are learning how to connect virtually um, and we're doing several of our, of our touches that way in advance so that that way I am making sure that my client is cared for and well cared for while they're in the hospital and they can still feel the comfort of having a doula present if they choose. Um, but I'm there virtually. Um, it worked out really well. I just had a birth um, actually a week ago and it worked out beautifully. Um, the doctors and nurses were really accommodating. <laughs> the, the phone slid down a couple of times and they lifted the phone back up and said, oh, there you are again, you know, and, and allowed me me to kind of be there for the mom. Um, and, and the mom and the dad were both um, just really thrilled with the outcome, I think, too. So having that fear, I think we can, we can push that aside. Doulas will be there if you need us to be there virtually. Um, and we will continue to do that. And we'll continue to support you in whatever way we're allowed as we go forward as well. That's great. I know one of the other, um, you know, big questions that have surrounding this, uh, personally even have, you know, a lot of friends that deal with autoimmunity and it's, you know, rising, um, in the population too. So what are the considerations for those that are, um, pregnant or even postpartum with autoimmunity, um, considering the, the coronavirus? Um, because they're, you know, because they're immunosuppressed, you mean? Right. Um, yeah. So anybody whose immune system is not strong for any reason, so the elderly, the very young, under a year, the um, um, anyone who's immunosuppressed, anyone on chemotherapy, um, people with autoimmune disorders, all of these, um, the on you know I, I, all of these people are, are at high risk for any infection, including coronavirus, right? And um, it, it's just part of 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 the cross of that of that condition to stay even more isolated and it's part of all of our duties as um as catholics and as human beings to you know promote the culture of life by preventing the spread of illness to protect these people because they can't they can, there's only so much immunosuppressed people can do to protect themselves the rest of their protection has to come from us and the rest of the society from preventing the spread of illness. And that, you know, that's fundamental to the culture of life is preventing the spread of illness. Absolutely. Speaking of, um, you know, promoting the sanctity of life, it, just any, any concerns or, or counseling, you know, right now with families as far as, you know, should we be trying to um, avoid or delay, you know, pregnancy at this time? You know, what, what are the implications of that as well? Uh, you know, the decision to um, avoid or delay uh, pregnancy is between a husband and wife and the Lord, and um, and uh, their physician, if they choose to involve them, may, uh, may offer some consultation. Um, and uh, I think all too often our society forgets that. And uh, I always say that children are never convenient, and there is no good time to have a baby. And um, <laughs> and uh, and. The answer to when and if you should have a child is if you and your spouse in the Lord have prayerfully discerned it. Great. Thank you for speaking to the validity of that for sure. <laughs> Any other fears or concerns that you guys are seeing that you want to comment on? I think a baby is always a gift. Uh, that's actually my primary experience. You know, so I, I'm a hospital-based pediatrician and I staff labor and delivery and i and what I see is really scared parents that are like, please discharge me today. You know, three hours after I deliver, I want to get out of this hospital. And um, it, and it, it, it's okay. That's what I have to say is it's okay, right? That um, we, um, 
I haven't, thank God, have, have not had a coronavirus positive um, infant um, on, on my unit yet, despite the fact that we are, you know, in the middle of this pandemic. Um, we have only, you know, two known coronavirus positive moms that we're anticipating we will deliver soon right now. So um, thank God with the infection control measures have been effective in preventing the spread to pregnant women, thank God. Um, and I do think that you're quite safe in a hospital. Um, I, I would, there's no way to prove this from an evidence-based perspective, but I suspect it's really not very different from going to the grocery store or anywhere else. And in fact, may even be safer because we do take such extreme infection control measures. Um, and I, I think the fear and the desire to go home really quickly um, um, is an emotional response and not a rational response. And don't forget that we do provide very important medical services to moms and babies in the postpartum period. So, you know, actually in the 80s, the insurance companies all tried to say, we're only paying for 24 hours of care after a woman has a baby. And they were sending all these people home, you know, 24 hours postpartum, moms and babies. And there were all kinds of bad outcomes to that. And so we've tried that experiment, and it's not good for moms and babies to go home too soon. There's real care that's provided for the mom and baby in that 48 hours after a vaginal delivery. And, uh, and this situation doesn't change that. We still do, you know, the congenital heart disease test, the PKU test, the hearing test, and uh, the jaundice test, and much more for the baby, and so much for the mom too. And so um, rushing home uh, um, makes all of that care um, harder and and sometimes um and sometimes things are you know can be missed if the child's if the baby's not observed for 48 hours and, and a mom too so i would again encourage moms to use um rational decision making and not emotion in a choice to go home too soon after delivery you know that actually brings up a great point what are the current thoughts especially where you are about moms following up with pediatricians like uh, oh, say, you know, one week or two week follow up, where are you guys, where have, what is the discussion that way? Is it being done virtually? Are they coming into the office? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of really creative solutions. And I don't think there's any one right answer. I mean, I know a pediatric practice, it's the one where I bring my seven kids that has two, they had two offices and in, in sort of adjoining communities. And they made one office the um, sick care location and one the well care location. And they don't even let you into that well care location unless you've been, you know, fever free for two weeks, right? And all the well babies are being seen at that location and they have super okay. strong control. I think that's a good solution. Um, there's, um, I, I, there's even discussion of, um, uh, well child checks doing all well child care virtually and then having drive-through vaccines in a tent outside the office really so this is the you know middle of an endemic area but people these children still need their well child checks right they still need routine care and the things that can't be done virtually um, they're um, doing quickly with infection control and in an outdoor um, tent environment and then as much as possible is being done virtually I think these are great creative solutions Right, right. I think just to reiterate the importance of follow-up and continuing care, you know, at this time, I mean, those are yes. very vital, important, um, you know, exams and um, follow-ups with, with providers, um, you know, in that newborn postpartum stage as well. So just reiterate the importance of that. Um, and if, right. you know, that is a worry or a concern, obviously you can um, 
you know, find Dr. Kathleen and all of her great providers at mycatholicdoctor.com. You know, one more just important thought, Dr. Kathleen, um, what also is being done where you guys are um, out there, you know, Dr. Kathleen is about an hour outside of New York City, so she's right in, right in the thick of it right now. Um, but what is being instructed as far as do pregnant women wear a mask if they need to go out to get something, you know, if they need to go to the grocery, are we recommending that at this point where you are? Oh, yes. I, I think that everyone needs to be wearing a mask if you go out in public. Yeah. Okay. So anything to cover the mouth, the face, um, and make sure also that you're then not touching yourself on top of that is what we've been recommending. Yes, and I would add that it takes grace to um, achieve these types of personal habits, right? <laughs> Especially, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, not just for me, but certainly for my children too. Um, but, it, it, you know, you can't do it yourself, right? You need to ask for divine grace to break habits of touching your face. All right. Well, thank you both um, for joining us. And um, Dr. Kathleen, uh, we just thank you so much for your service and for um, sacrifices that you're making, you know, especially right now. And um, of course, all the wonderful that your work, work that you are doing through mycatholicdoctor.com. Um, so please um, get on there, check out um, mycatholicdoctor.com. Wonderful sites. Um, they're providers from all kinds of care, not only, you know, pediatricians, OBGYN, uh, nutrition, mental health, um, and uh, we just thank you um, for uh, forging that path as well. Yes, thank, thank you, you for so your much. Oh, it's it, it's my pleasure to work for, with you, and thank you for your beautiful ministry at Victor's Health. All right, thanks so much, everyone. Have a good day. All right, bye bye.